You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, guys. Exciting news. I'm really, really stoked about this. On March 7th at noon Pacific Standard Time, Team Sideways is going to host an AMA on the Unresolved Mysteries subreddit on Reddit. Pretty exciting. Hell yeah. Yeah. So the mods will post an announcement a week prior. So if you can't join us at that time, at that date, you can post your questions there. Um, Please don't email us questions we'll lose them and forget them (laughs) let's try and contain this just to reddit but we're super excited and uh yeah so if you can join us march 7th 2015 2015, sorry just in case somebody you know five years from now is listening to this episode not 2017 this is not treat yourself 2017 sorry thinking sideways i don't understand Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve. Of course, I am joined by... Oh, Devin. And Joe. <laughs> you just gestured to the middle of us. I don't know what you're pointing at. Yeah, That's what, I thought it was, was pointing point. more towards you, so I was well, going to let you go ahead. <laughs> uh, I did, so... Oh, we're off to a rockin' good start then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the misunderstanding, folks. Uh, well, this week we, of course, have another mystery that we want to bring to you. This one has no dead bodies. No. 
No, it does not. No people in at all, really. Nah. Well, I think I have one specific person in this story that I talk about. Maybe two, but yeah, no, mostly this is no people. Oh, which, well, I didn't do any uh, research on it. So it's I got some gophers know. in it. Yeah, yeah, it's got some critters. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is a geologic mystery. And it's kind of geographically specific. Uh, our subject is what is known as the Mima Mounds. Mima. And if you've never heard of these, but you've read this on the internet, you might think that the name is Mima, which I was under the false understanding that was the name too, until I started watching some YouTube videos and realized I was pronouncing it incorrectly. Whoopsie. Ah. Yeah. The Mima Mounds are located in Washington State. They are, they're near Olympia, Tumwater area of Washington. They're kind of, like, if you folks have seen maps of Washington, you know where Puget Sound is? They're, like, southeast of Puget Sound. Yeah, they're in the, the, yeah. the southwestern portion of the state. Mm-hmm. Their name comes from the actual area that they're located in, which is known as the Mima Prairie. And, and you will come across mounds like this, which we're going to give some description of this, so bear with me here. We're going to describe them a little bit, but this kind of mound is found in other places in the continental United States, as well as other places across the globe. Mm -hmm. I think the only place that this kind of structure is not found is Antarctica, and, well, that's because it's mostly ice. Yeah. It's It's probably probably found there, but it's buried under snow and ice. Mm. Oh, yeah, but I... Possibly. I don't know if that's true. But they're they're relatively consistent all across the U.S. But again, I'm going to focus on the ones that are in Washington. So we're going to just work on those. But if you do see some research on these in other areas of the country, you'll see them referred to as prairie mounds, Pimple mounds, Ew. hog. Yeah, I know. I agree. <laughs> hog wallow mounds. There's a few others that are out there, uh, but the mystery, of course, about these things is that nobody knows how they were made or how they were formed. I know that's the interesting thing is that the uh, we, they know all about all kinds of you know limestone cave. Hey, they figured it out. Plate tectonics, they figured that out too, but they can't figure out these stupid little mounds. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you will after this. Okay. Maybe we'll solve it. Mm, Maybe. Probably. I doubt it. Uh, The Mima Mounds, to give you a description of them, are round dome-like bulges of the soil that are raised above the plane of the surrounding landscape. So here's here's the uh, the description. They will range anywhere from 10 feet to over 160 feet across. Wow. And they can be anywhere as short as 1 foot to as high as 6 plus feet high. So this is when I say kind of a bulge in the landscape, it's I a really huge mean bulge. it's yeah. a giant dome-like bulge. It's kind of roundish. Those numbers that I'm giving, those are the average range. There are, of course, some that are smaller and some that are bigger, but mm. that's the general normal range that they've been found to be. It's hard to pin down how many you're going to find in an area. Mm. It can be anywhere as few as one or two to upwards or over 400 mounds in a hectare. 
It's a hectare. I totally was going to mess that one up. (laughs) Um, A hectare is, just to give you some number, because that's a random number or word that you don't hear used a lot. It's a hundred and... 107,600 plus square feet. And that's about two and a half acres. Two and a half acres. Yeah. yeah. That's a much easier mm. number. I wish I'd thought to put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the weird thing is, is that their, their dis- distribution over that area will be fairly consistent. Now, this is when there's a bunch of them, mm. not when there's one or two. But if there's a hundred of them. They're relatively evenly spaced. If there's 400 of them, they're evenly spaced. So almost weird. As if they're in a grid or a hex pattern. Mm. Uh, not, yeah, sort of. I mean, sort of. It's yeah, sort it's, of random. It's a but very at the same loose it's... pattern, but it's a pattern nonetheless. Oh, yeah. It's, it's semi regular, that's for sure. Which is rare in nature, right? You don't see that a whole lot by natural. Although there, there is some, um, when we're getting the theories, there's some things that we'll talk about that might help explain okay. why it's in such a regular distribution. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in, in nature, I mean, things, things actually, like if you look at a forest, for example, it's actually kind of regularly dis- distributed because, yep. distributed, I mean, because, I mean, obviously they're not going to all, the trees are not going not gonna to all crowd together and right. they're going to, and they're not going to like space themselves way out. So, I mean, they see a lot of kind of regular distributions in nature, actually. Fair, fair. Exactly. And, and, and we will get into a better description of that later. Um, I'm going to warn everybody now. As we go through this this story or this description, I'm going to end up using quite a few analogies to help describe some of this. The first one of which is how I think of the mounds. I kind of think of them the easy way that I can think of the Mima mounds is that they're, they're the goosebumps of the earth. They're just really small, weird little bumps. But I also think of volcanoes as kind of the pimples of the earth. So. God, you're so weird. <laughs> well, volcanoes are actually more like boils. Yeah. Yeah. They explode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're okay, going to let no that more go. Gross humor. No more of that. Um, and this is a terrible time for me to remember, but before we get too far along, uh, this was a listener suggestion. Oh. Eric emailed this to us quite a long time ago. Hey, Eric, I hope you're still with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really hope th- that my terrible description of these or analogy didn't put you off but uh really appreciate this suggestion and i was really glad when i found this one in the list because it's it's really unique and interesting yeah mm, it's a little different than mm-hmm. what we usually do because usually that involves murder exactly yeah uh there's no murder here mm. except of you, my grammar you don't know there might be could be a lot of dead people in those bounds Actually, there isn't. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. That's the best part because when Western explorers first came to the Wash- what is now Washington State, they, of course, looked at these mounds and went, I'll bet those are burial mounds of the local natives. And the next thing they said was, hey, let's dig them up. <laughs> they did. And, and they were disappointed. They were very disappointed because all they found was dirt and rocks. Oh. There was no bodies. Okay. Uh, I guess the joke was on them. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, there is, from what I've read, 
legends from the natives of the area that say that the mounds were created either a by a large spirit i think it's a spiritual blue jay if i remember who mm-hmm. flew over and dropped the mounds and that's how they came to be so they're or like a comet that flew over and left them in its wake well yeah. it so would the... make sense i mean Haley's comet yeah. It's fairly frequent in this area. And these are like enormous blue jay droppings. Is that kind of mm. the Maybe. way the Indians put it? Maybe. Have yeah. you ever had a blue jay fly over your car and seen what happens? It, 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 <laughs> yeah. can, be, it can be quite <laughs> the mess. Yeah. So it, it quite could be. Uh, but, well, thankfully for us, some real scientific types, this would be soil scientists, uh, actually went out and they, uh, they, they dug into the mounds to try to figure them out. And what we're going to go through now is the physical description of a Mima mound. And this is where I'm going to use the first analogy be, or set of analogies to describe the layers of the earth. Because if you've never thought of it this way, the easy way to think about the layers of soil that make up the crust of the earth is to think about it as a layer cake. Mm. They might be thicker, thinner vertically, but they are in bands. And it's a, it's just a simple way to, to kind of envision it. Yeah, I think a lot of people know about that. So I, Well, I would think so, but you know, that I, I don't know that everybody does, so That's I just like to point. put it out yeah. there. So the tasty part, of course, is the top of the mound. It is, because after, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah, after you pluck out the candles, and you, <laughs> yeah, you go to town on that Joe's stuff. Joe's turned the earth into a birthday cake. I just don't really like it. I'm just like carrying it. out your analogy further, you know. <laughs> the, the, the top of the cake is the icing, which, mm. as Joe was alluding to... Is really uh, tasty. It is, well, that top layer, that icing layer of the cake, of the ma- Mima Mounds... I, I was going to say Mima again. Yeah. Dagnabbit. The Mima Mounds are covered in prairie grass. So that prairie grass would be that icing layer. Now, it's not always going to be prairie grass, but typically in that area, that's what it's going to be. You dig below that into the first layer of earth, and you're going to encounter what is known as the A horizon. And when you're dealing with soil science... Every layer is going to be called a horizon. So I'm just going to let everybody know we're going to use the horizon name several times. The A horizon, typically it's going to be topsoil, which is going to be kind of that dark earth layer. It's full of vegetation that's Mm. rotted. It's got worms. It's got bugs and other little critters in it. That's the layer that plants will typically start to live off. It's got the most mineral content and and all the decomposing materials in it. Now, somehow the uh, the cake analogy is not holding for me here, though. Because you don't want to eat that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound that it's so It's like the rich German chocolate part. Thank you, Devin. You're welcome. Yeah, Thank you, with Devin. a lot of disgusting stuff. <laughs> no, yeah. lots of walnuts and... and grapes like, <laughs> raisins. I don't know. I'm not good at dessert. I don't know. Okay. Let's get back to describing it and less thinking about eating it. Mm. The A horizon, like I said, topsoil, and that's where the plants typically will start to live. Now, I admit, and I know right off the bat, anybody who knows something about this say, well, that's not the only layer of the, the, the soil that plants live off, and I get that, but that's the primary layer that you're going to see things like grass and small shrubs actually live in. Shallow-rooted. Shallow-rooted. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's the perfect, yeah. perfect way to describe mm-hmm. it. 
below that now oh actually before we get below that we should probably describe the makeup of the a horizon mm. which is going to be what is referred to as a loamy soil and loam is in a varying mixture can be heavy on one side or the other or evenly mixed you're going to have silt you're going to have sand and to some degree you're going to have clay mm -hmm. So that, that's what it all is. Plus, mixed in there, there's going to be some small stones, gravel, and large stones. Yeah. That's the A-Horizon. Below that, which unfortunately for Joe, I'm going to say again, is the next layer of the cake. Fantastic. Mm. <laughs> is typically a layer of gravel and stone and soil materials that is referred to as the b and or C horizons. It can be one, the other, or both. Mm. The This layer can also be relatively hard packed. It's got a higher proportion of clay in it. Sure, yeah. Which is something that's important to keep in mind because that clay will help hold moisture, which is really important when you think about the state of Washington because yeah. the state of Washington, like Oregon, which we live in, hmm. it's fairly rainy. Yeah. A little bit. And it's pretty dang rainy. <laughs> it's pretty damp. What happens in these prairies is that in the winter and the spring, it's kind of boggish. Mm. Standing water or very sodden soil. Mm. Come the summer and fall, it dries out, and then the cycle repeats, which from an ecological standpoint is actually really important because yeah. it lets a lot of things grow that wouldn't grow anywhere else around that because they need all that water. Yeah, and the clay, the the B and C horizon typically really hold on to that water, even in the dry summer months. You know, we don't get so dry and hot that it, our ground totally dries out typically. Sometimes we do, but generally not, especially in something like this with when it's boggy, that clay is going to hold on to a lot of that moisture and allow plants to grow year round where they typically wouldn't. Correct. Yeah. If, if it's an exposed plain that didn't have all that clay, that water would go down into the mm -hmm. soil and as the heat came evaporate out of the upper layers and then yeah. those plants you it's uh if you've ever seen uh grassland in the summer and it all the grass is relatively dead yeah it's dried out it mm -hmm. can't live anymore and it's waiting for the next rainfall to germinate again this is not the case in these locations because of that clay layer uh, -huh. uh the, and and what we're talking about here this boggy kind of area is what is referred to as, if I'm correcting it or pronouncing it correctly, is a vernal pool. Yeah, that's correct. Works enough. Yeah, and those are shallow depressions, which is what we're talking about here, that hold all that water through those spring and summer months so those plants can grow. So that's what that area is referred to. Yeah. Um, the last layer of the cake is going to be the R horizon, which I'm pretty sure stands for rock Gee. because it's the bedrock layer. Mm. That is, of course, a almost impermeable layer of the earth. Some water does go down through it, but it's the rock layer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then below that, about 10 feet, is the, is the molten magma at the center of the earth. 
not quite 10 feet, I'm sure, but no. yes, eventually, <laughs> I'm sure. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you get down there. It gets to be molten magma. Yeah. That's your favorite part of the cake, evidently, mm-hmm. Joe. Yeah. Uh, well, these, <laughs> these soil horizons are what the Mima mounds are made up of. And as I said, this is the typical or the general makeup. It's not specific. Some are more complex. Some are less complex than that. Some may have one and two. Some may have five or six layers. And Mm. we didn't talk about all of them because that's a soil science show that we're not going to do. And they seem to be, are they uh, kind of equally distributed throughout the mound? It's kind of the same kind of layer or are they some thicker, some thinner? Do you know? Do they know? I mean, uh, well, okay. Yeah. Th- that's one of the things that really, really irritated me is mm. I did some research on this and I think we're, correct me if I'm wrong, where you're going here, Devin, is that we've got the mound mm-hmm. and the mound itself goes a, B, C, R, and then there's the depression. And does the depression go A, B, C, R? Yeah, are they R? similar makeups? I can't find that. Okay. Honestly, oh. I've looked and some researchers say, yes, they're the same, though they're a much thinner makeup. In mm. other words, the layers are much narrower. And some say, oh, no, it's a very thin A and then a very thin C, and then we go to R. It, there's no conclusive okay. evidence, but I think that might be because everybody's focused on the mounds themselves mm-hmm. rather than digging between them. Which is odd, I guess, because... Because if you're going to, and I know we're close to theories, but if you're going to theorize that they're a natural formation, you have to know what's around them. In between, right? Them, yeah. You know, I so think, if, uh, if what's behind, it's what's between them is a similar makeup, you can more readily say, well, it's just a bigger collection of that, and that's fine, and maybe we don't know exactly why. But it's all very similar to the soil around it versus, oh, this isn't anything like the soil around, so it's a some kind of anomaly. Mm-hmm. That, that's the thing that gets me. It seems like that would be a thing that people would be interested in. Well, you know, I think to saddle this question, what we need to do is let me grab a couple of shovels because no. the Mima Mounds are not that far away. No. No. There. Uh, actually, but, Joe. Uh, but no, actually, quickly, though, let me, let me say that my understanding of it is that these... There's a fairly thick layer of clay underneath these things, and that and that the clay in the areas between them is 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 just not very far down. Uh, mm, it's, the, it's basically well, almost just solid clay soil there. Almost, I've, I've, just a I've, yeah, I've seen of, that, yeah. and the opposite. So that's yeah. that's the hard part. But I'm going to get a little bit off track here in terms of what I know everybody's expecting me to go through in this studio. Is that when I was in high school, I took a couple of soil science classes, and I don't know if either of you have ever got into a soil trench to to figure out what the horizons are. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's insanely interesting to be able to look at in a, like, let's say a five foot deep trench and you can very clearly in a color Mm -hmm. band, see those things. It's very straight, striated, striated, striated. Striated. Yes. Yeah. I went to a weird middle school, so I had an experience. I did that in high school. Yeah. I was able to do that. And it's true. It's very interesting. It's very clear. 
So all you would have to do is really cut that mound in half like a cake and let's take a look well, and, and that's, stuff. That's, I know that the problem is here is this, it's, it's all in a preserve. So I'm mm. sure that they can't just take a backhoe and dig one giant trench from the middle what? of one mound into the next and then walk inside of it mm-hmm. and figure it out. So I think that might be part of the reason that we can't get the answer. You could take core samples, though. True. You know, That's very true. I could. I also suspect people don't really care enough. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. We're very be? interested in it, but I think that real scientists are probably thinking, oh, well, that's their mouths. It's well, fine. We have also, to explore the sea or something. Yeah, I think that also, apparently, the Gopher Protection Society is, is won't allow that because they're afraid that the core sampler tool will puncture a gopher. I mean, that's fair. So, yeah. That's a fair concern. Well, you know, actually. Don't go- get too far ahead of us here, Joe. Yeah. With your, uh, you, you are all about the rodent theory. Oh. I understand that, but we're not at the rodent theory. What are we at? We're in the theory section. Okay. But the first theory is, I I will admit, my favorite theory, which is glaciers. Oh. I'm going to start off, unusually enough, with my favorite. The last glacial period on North America, the North American continent, I should say, ended about 10,000 years ago. And there is a lot of scientific evidence of the shaping that those glaciers did to this continent. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can just look at and go, oh, yeah, obviously a glacier carved that out or left that behind. Yeah, the gorge is a great example of that. Yep. And there's giant rocks left all over. So it, it, we know that glaciers do some, it did some amazing and things. And we had some pretty amazing glaciers here. I mean, I, I can't honestly remember the name of the... the Kardashian Glacier? Oh, the Bob Jones Glacier? <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't remember. But... You guys are the worst. <laughs> which one were you going after? I really, I can't remember the name of it. But, but which, what did it The do? one that carved out the gorge. The, the Missoula Floods. Mm-hmm. The Missoula Floods. It wasn't an actual glacier. glacier. It was a flood. And it, what and happened... And this is for the, the Columbia River Gorge. The Columbia and the Willamette. Kind of all of the gorges that we have around here, they were all formed the, by... What happened was there was this... During the Ice Age, there were these huge glaciers that formed. And they started to melt. And, of course, they created an ice dam. And so once that dam burst, it created these huge floods that just ravaged the area. And somehow just, like, created all of this gorge activity and certainly mm. some of well, it has of been least resistance and yeah then, and certainly uh, carved it out. you know some of it has been over the ages you know it gets deeper and deeper and deeper but that was the general formation of it the missoula floods mm. okay. look it up <laughs> not the kardashian glacier kind of bad news for the people that happen to be living in that little depression the good the news earth. is yeah. nobody was living there it was it was yeah. ice but... it was thirteen thousand. No, 13, yeah, 13,000. 13,000 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, Actually, there were people living here back then. Back to the point. Yeah. Sorry. Is, it's okay. Is that my, this, this first theory that I, the glaciers. one that I'm glaciers. kind of hanging on to is glaciers. the glaciers form the Maima Mounds. And the soil structure of the mounds, which obviously I just described, is is old and stable and it's feasible that glaciers as they advanced or retreated in their process like you were just talking about there mm-hmm. a little bit formed it um scraping away the, the 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 ground i should probably also mention which i didn't is that 
the soil structure of the Mima Mounds is, in some of them, very old. It's somewhere up to about 30,000 years old, which okay. would match up to glaciers. Yeah. And I want to kind of, again, I want to kind of break this down to things that we see. And so I'm going to give an example is, have either of you seen when it's freezing cold out and there's a, a chunk of ice that's kind of overhanging and it's sunny in the day, but really cold and then cold at night. And you'll notice that the ice starts to thaw a little bit. And on the underside, the, the droplets will through um what's the 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 word that i'm looking for cohesion they'll come together and refreeze and you'll get kind of a bulge mm -hmm. and then in the daytime everything will freeze and you'll get a slightly bigger bulge and so you get deep higher bulges and deeper ridges so you get this kind of weird curvilinear structure on the underside of sheet of ice have you seen this before yeah i mean you're basically talking no. about the formation of icicles but yeah well but, yeah but on but, but on a, a but on a big flat sure. plane so sure. it doesn't have that large drop yeah to go but through. i guess only on the underside of things i don't think i've ever seen it on the overside of things exactly okay well but that's the thing is if this is on the bottom of a glacier, which is huge and heavy, yeah. and that water through cohesion is coming together and then freezing, and this, of course, wouldn't be on a day-night cycle, but over a year's cycle, that weight is going to shove the soil underneath it around. Think mm. about the underside of this glacier like, egg crate foam you know that sure. silly egg crate foam that yeah. you, mm. sleeping pads are made out of if it was something like that but it's really strong and hard and it's pushing down on the earth it's going to shove the dirt around and make those ridges of course then when it melts we've got this egg crate shape going on give it ten thousand years some erosion happens, and instead of these perfect divots between them, the plane of the soil evens out between them. So now all we have is these random bulges mm. at different places. Mm. That's where this theory goes, and I don't know if, if that makes sense the way I've explained it to you, or if you have a better way to describe that. No, I mean, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I think that if it's water and it's pushing into the ground, it's probably going to get absorbed into the ground, not stick it's to itself. Ice. It's, so, yeah, it's ice. It's, melt, it's melting down into those bulges right. and then refreezing. Yeah. And, of course, that collective melting. weight. It's melting. Glaciers are really, really wily creatures. Uh -huh. uh, no, I, 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 I understand where you're saying, wait, if it's water, why doesn't it go into the soil? I understand where you're headed with that. Mm -hmm. I can see that. But I, I can't explain it because I'm not, I, I can't explain the glaciers to that degree. I just look at it from what I have seen anecdotally in nature sure. and then add all that weight and pressure. I guess my other problem with that theory is um, the glacier has to escape somewhere, right? So either it melted on a massive scale without moving and sliding anywhere because you don't see those big gouges in the earth, right? Mm -hmm. So either it, because you would expect if it had these big divots, that that would be a, 
like a rake pattern almost across the landscape. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're moving, but it's more they're melting on themselves and then refreezing and building back. I understand that, but I'm saying at the end of the ice age, Mm -hmm. right? Is it just melting away and every and the water just washes away and it leaves these divot marks, or is it that it's melting and it's going to melt on the bottom? You know. And is it sliding somewhere? Is it uh, gouging something out? I don't know that it would. I, and I don't claim to know a lot about glaciers, but my understanding of glaciers is the way they were able to grind out big valleys and stuff, which you see all the way all all over around here, is that as it grows, the weight grows, and it starts sliding, moving forward, and adding on and stuff. And then mm-hmm. it's, so it's, that's when the grinding occurs. Is when it's growing. Okay. But when it's retreating, it doesn't like <clears throat> it doesn't slide backwards quite the same way when it's retreating. Sure. It just gets thinner and thinner. So it just it melts. Down. It just so melts away. It just slowly melts, and it melts from the top. Not you know, it melts, but. Um, the only problem I have with the glacier theory is that you would think that there would be, it would eventually, a lot of the water that came off of the glacier as it melts would wash a lot of this stuff away. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And, yeah. and while I like the glacier theory the most, if this theory were correct, and this is going to come up multiple times in the theory section, hmm. we should see this in more than just this place and there and and like i said it's continentally for the united states you see this you see it in some places in the south in some in the east but you think that you would see it more consistently Mm -hmm. but that also you might not see it because of farming practices that might be Mm. a reason that we don't see it anymore yeah i know a lot of it got cleared away but also that's another thing a problem i have with this theory is that it is seen in the south where as far as i know there was never any glaciation yeah Yeah. i I, you're right and again there are some other things that might be responsible for this in the South. Well, mm-hmm. and that's actually, oh, well, go I ahead. I was just going to ask one more question is that you, you see these singularly as well, right? Mm-hmm. And that obviously can't have happened. If you, if you're saying it was a divot in between a bunch of things, you can't create just one mound from a divot. You've got to have at least two, probably four. I can see it. Well, no, I'm, right. let's, let's, okay, we got a flat sheet of ice, mm-hmm. and for some reason it's got a thin spot in the top, mm-hmm. and so the water in the thin spot in the top is melting, and it's seeping down through itself, and then it's going to create that pattern radiating away. Again, not perfect. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, saying two different things are happening then at that point. No, it's, it's, there's a thin spot at the top, so that's where the melt happens. Mm-hmm. So then it's going to melt down, and it's going to radiate down and create a cone, essentially. Right, so that's exactly uh, what I'm saying, is you're, you're saying two yes, different things. Yes, no, it, it, it doesn't work. I get <laughs> okay. it. It doesn't work. I like this one the best, and we Fair. beat the crap I'm out sorry, of it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I like it. We better move on, yeah. We so, better. And we I, better and move on. We're going to go through some, some fairly mundane theories here just to let you folks know, but don't despair. There's going to be some aliens before it's <laughs> There always are. And some are. critters, too. Yeah. Uh, little, little cute fuzzy things. Okay, and I've got a theory of my own that I'm going to tack in all, oh on top God. of all oh of this. Oh, boy. I all don't. Right, well, then Sorry. we better hurry up. Yeah. Our next theory is plant and or wind. This is going to take a little bit of explaining too, but the theory centers around basically the interaction between large plants, the wind, and blown sediment. Um, And tell you right now, the beginning of this theory does not hold up for the state of Washington. Okay. 
This is more of an arid region theory, but we'll kind of try and see how it could work in. Uh, the process of windblown sediment is what is known as an Aeolian process. I hope I'm pronouncing I that right. I think it's Aeolian. I believe I that's be right. And what that is, is that you've got dry earthen materials that are picked up by the wind, so sand and silt. They're blown around. It runs into vegetation, so a tree or a bush or whatever it is. Of course, then it's knocked free and it drops to the ground. As that continues to happen over an extended period of time, you get a mound of earth built up around this plant. If we think about trees, which can live on the scale of hundreds of years, that means that you can get quite a large mound built and then when the plant dies and rots away, all that's left is the mound. And actually, what I like about this theory is that... Um, it's very much like dunes. Well, exactly. If you look at these mounds, the pictures of them, they look like sand dunes, but they're different in one way, which is that instead of forming into kind of rows and stuff, they, they, they come sort of, become sort of regular mounds. Mm -hmm. But when you look at, especially a sort of like a high level, like looking at it from above... And you look at the spacing between them. It's not completely even, but it's the kind of spacing that you would see between, say, trees in a forest. Mm -hmm. in, in other words, they're spaced, they're spaced enough apart so that they don't choke each other out. And that is and what is known enough. as vegetation spatial patterning. Exactly. And it looks, like, it looks exactly like that mm -hmm. if you look at the aerial photos of the, of the Mima Mounds. And we're going to get into vegetation spatial patterning, but let me just finish up one little bit... Devin's rolling her eyes, but one little bit about the problem with yeah. the uh, the alien process is that, as I said, this is a process that happens in arid regions. The Pacific Northwest is by no means an arid region. Nor has it really ever been. It has n not anything that I could find suge even suggested that the that area was ever arid. It's yeah. always been wet. Yeah. So this doesn't hold up. So I admit there's a giant flaw in that, but it is something that's pointed at. I guess another problem that I would have is that didn't you say that there are rocks in a lot of these mounds? That is another problem. Yeah. yeah. There are small stones and there are large stones under the surface and on top. So, yes, windblown material, that's a problem because the wind doesn't throw big rocks. Huge rocks like that. Yes, yeah. that's, that's an issue. Yeah. Uh, if we go to the spatial patterning that we were... The, Joe was alluding to mm -hmm. or discussing mm. um, this and what what vegetation spatial patterning, which is an easy phrase to say, not uh, this is the theory that or the practice that individual or groups of plants. So we've got a number of them growing together will spread their roots out and they will drain the surrounding area of all of the nutrients that are in the soil. Right. Making it 
a wasteland. For other mm-hmm. plants. For other plants. Yeah. So and, nothing else can grow there. And then you have no roots holding the topsoil down. Mm-hmm. So then that, that dirt washes away, mm-hmm. and then you end up with these strange rivulet patterns between them. Here's something to think about. An easy way to envision this is if anybody has ever seen mangroves, you see them, they have those giant weird root patterns and they're, they arch up above the water. Mm. Now think about something like that where its roots are still underground, but the dirt that would be on top between them is gone. You would have the same kind of mounding, humping pattern mm. that you find at the Mima Mounds. It makes sense. I'm not going to buy into it, but it makes sense. But it also does help what Devin pointed out, which is the issue with the stones and rocks. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of evidence that roots will grab and move stones through pressure Mm. that they grow next to. I mean, we've all seen they'll break stones, they'll push them around. So this does happen. And it it will push them to the surface if a root gets big enough. Yes, I I agree with that. The problem I'm having is uh, the size of a lot of these mounds, right? I'm willing to go there for the smaller ones, but if we're talking, I mean, 165, 160 feet round, was that? I think that's... That's kind of rare, though, isn't it? That's feet. on the large side. I mean, sure, yeah. it's on the large side, okay. but... Okay, well, bear with me. Run ah. with me here. I'm... Okay, how big do you think the, the the root structure of, say, a mature oak would be? Which oh. oaks get huge. Pretty big. Yeah, it would be big. Pretty it big. would be huge. So yeah. I'm not saying that this is something that happens in a matter of five years. Sure. But those oaks live hundreds of years. If that oak lived hundreds of years and there's, I mean, the odds of this happening with oaks, I understand is infinitesimal, but I'm just using it as an example. If we've got a forest of rows of oaks that all have these giant root balls that eventually die, that could explain the structure. I'm not all for it, mm-hmm. but I am. That's just my my little bit of defense for it. Sure, I yeah. If if Washington was an arid place, <laughs> yeah, well, yes, but no, but this this is. I I think that the thing that I need to point out is for this uh, for the the spatial patterning is part of it is erosion because the roots are holding it sure. in. So now we're getting erosion with the root patterns as well. I've essentially at this point discounted the wind theory. Yeah, but now we're factoring in erosion. So we're at that, and that's the hard part with this theory or this story in general is that. Theory Things get added and discounted left, right, and center, and I'm mm-hmm. doing my best to keep them separate. That's fair. But this one is one of those weird ones where they say, well, the wind brought it in, and then the plants held it, and then the water washed it away, and it it makes it mm. awkward. Yeah. yeah. Awkward's the word I'm going to use. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of awkward, let's just leave that theory behind. Uh, Let's move on to the next one, which says that the Mima Mounds are creature created. Okay. And this is the mammal version, and that would be pocket gophers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're cute little devils. (laughs) 
Okay, let's just let's go. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you, you've never heard of a pocket gopher? No, I have. I'm just I'm just laughing that they could have created these things. So let's just. <laughs> uh, I'm, just I'm just letting Joe, you go for it. Joe likes him. He's gonna make a pocket gopher meme next week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, pocket gophers are industrious little critters. Actually, they, they really move, are. They can move a lot of dirt. They can. Yeah. Uh, the, and the pocket gopher theory has actually been around for a long time came out in the late 19th century and it was theorized that the mounds were actually built by the pocket gopher anybody who doesn't know what a pocket gopher is pocket gopher is a rodent it's really on average they weigh less than half a pound they're anywhere from six to eight inches long and that includes their tail and of course, they're gophers, so they have really terrible eyesight. They don't come above the ground very much. And unlike most gophers, which will either dig a hole and push the dirt into the bottom of their tunnel structure or just push it up out and keep going, pocket gophers seem to have the habit of pushing all of the dirt they dig out to the top of the mound of dirt that's above their tunnel Mm. and continue to push it towards the top. So if you've ever had uh, gopher holes in your yard and they're those goofy mounds, now imagine they keep coming to the same spot, but they keep pushing all the extra dirt up top and building it up higher and higher. Mm. That's what they do. And that's what's got people kind of intrigued as to why they think that these little boogers are responsible. Yeah, the uh, and actually I'm kind of liking this theory, not just because the gophers are cute, but uh, it, it it also fits a lot of facts. Like they're they're territorial. You're exactly right. They're they're very territorial little critters, and it turns out that the spacing of the Mima mounds corresponds, relatively speaking to the territorial distance that a pocket gopher will cover. It's somewhere between 100 and 150 feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that makes sense. Uh, there, there's a researcher at San Diego State University that he wanted to see if this theory could be right. And what he did is he took and made a computer model factoring in the speed that these little gophers build at And it turns out, indeed, note this, eventually, Mm. they can make a mound that is upwards of six feet tall. Okay. Yeah, it takes a bit of time. It does take a bit of time. Now, other people have jumped on the bandwagon, and they're saying, oh, yeah, and, and they're building them that tall so that they can escape the water table of where they're living, because as we've talked about, it's a very boggy area, so the water table is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, I, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a, lot of a big clay area, and clay area that, that holds water and actually prevents water from draining into it yes which means they would have flooded tunnels so yes it makes sense they would build up to have a dry area but it's it's a little weird but here's the problem there are a lot of problems well yeah yeah there's there's a whole lot of problems which is that uh well to start with it would take five to seven hundred years for gophers to build a mound that tall okay yeah Problem problem number one. Mm -hmm. Problem number two, pocket gophers, no matter how cute they are with the little pockets in their cheeks, only live to be at most five years old. Mm. 
which says, well, how does this happen? People have said, oh, well, other, other, uh, other little gophers come in and they take over their mounds and they keep building them and that's how it happens. But the research that I've read, nothing in there says that after a gopher dies and leaves its burrow or its tunnel structure, mm -hmm. does another one come in and take it over? Well, mm -hmm. They all but, seem to start from scratch themselves. Yeah, but uh, isn't it possible you can inherit as a gopher the family home? I mean, gophers have, gophers have babies. I guess my problem number three gopher family home. Well, no, I mean seriously though. I mean, I mean if you if you have if you have baby gophers and then eventually you die, why should they move off somewhere else and start I, a whole new tunnel network when they've got one right already there? I'm going to kill that right now. With the, I don't believe that they're a, a communal family structure. I think they all move on on their own. But Devin, you were yeah, Joe he did. No, my problem number three is that the <laughs> if this is a mound that's built by digging out, right, the top layer should correspond to the bottom layer of the soil, the top layer of the mound, because that's what they've been digging out last. And the bottom layer should correspond to the top layer of the soil that they were digging out, not the way that it goes. Right? Act, well, no, I know where you're headed here. If gophers were digging and mixing the soil constantly, it shouldn't be easily divided into horizons. It, it should actually be one giant mishmash mix. Well, and but even the bottom layers get that, pulled yeah. up. It should be an undistinguishable layers. Right. What it should be. and even if it was layers, it should be flipped layers. The At, bottom yes. layer of the mound Simpli should be breaking into a simplest factor. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. should be. The clay should be on top. Should be. Yes, and there's the problem with the the stones that we talked about earlier, which right. is a half pound critter cannot mm. move a ten pound stone. Right. I guess also problem the there aren't like huge tunnels running through these things, are there? As far yeah, as anybody I don't know knows, if they found tunnels. I, in yeah. These things. yeah. No, I, I've not that would be seen another issue. anything that said. Here's a picture of a pocket gopher tunnel in a Mima Mound. Haven't yeah. seen that. I haven't seen any evidence of that now. Uh, I still well, like the gopher theory because gophers are cute. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we're going to move on to the next creature-created theory. Okay. This one I am going to, right off the bat, I put in because it's in the research, but I don't buy it. But it's still in the creature area, which is termites. Ew. What? Termites are gross. <laughs> they are gross. There are people out there who say that the mounds are made by termites. Mm -hmm. And before anybody has their head pop off, let's just think about termite mounds that we see in places like Africa. Mm. You see these giant, giant termite mounds. Similar problem for me, though. Bear with me. They're <laughs> I, giant um... above... And below ground, mm -hmm. so theoretically, those critters die off and then erosion takes effect. But you're right, there is no record of that kind of termite mm -hmm. in that region. Right, or, well, uh, you know, the different layers in the mounds, or the no holes, or the five-pound stones, ten-pound stones. But the biggest problem with it is, is that is it, is, it's kind of hard to believe that there would be literally trillions of termites living in this plain with, you know, I mean, I mean, seriously, think about it. When you see anthills and termite hills, they're, there's like, they're kind of a one-off kind of thing. 
You don't see yeah, hundreds and thousands of them next to each other. That's also true. Uh, well, yeah. actually, you see them sometimes in the plains of Africa where they're they're close to each other. Not nearly this close, mm-hmm. but they are, let's say, 500 to 1,000 feet apart instead of miles apart. Yeah. I know where you're going, and I agree, yeah, but there it, are cases where you see them close, but not nearly this close. Yeah, no, I mean, because, I mean, if, if you've got nothing but termites living in this vast area, there's nothing to eat except each other, mm-hmm. and that's it. So I, I just don't see that. Yeah. No, no, I, I admit, I put this one in just because it's there. That's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't buy in. And everybody it. loves termites, so. <laughs> Except Devin. No. What's uh, next? Let's move on to the next one, which I actually love how this one came about, or the theory got created. But the theory is that it is earthquakes or seismic vibrations are causing the mounds. Okay. There, uh, the theory goes as a basic premise that there are vibrations due to seismic or volcanic activity that is shaking the dirt around. And at that point, that's causing it to heap up into small mounds. Sure. This is where my favorite part of this theory comes from is there's a gentleman by the name of Andrew Berg, who is an actual geologist, not somebody who just came up with this idea on his own. Yeah, I, I know him. I'm sorry, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, do like the way the, I do like the way he stumbled upon the idea, though. It's kind of fun. Yeah, he was he was building a doghouse, of all things, with a bunch of sheets of plywood that had ash on them, and I don't know what kind of ash. Was it in it's, the 1980s? Yeah, volcanic ash. Oh, yeah, it was in the 80s, which means it would have been St. Helens uh-huh. had there spewed was, all that ash. I was, uh, I was around in those days, and yes, there was a lot of ash. Okay, <laughs> so... Like, now we know why there was ash on his plywood. Okay. And he is hammering nails into the plywood to build the doghouse. And he notices that the concussive vibrational force of each blow on a nail transferred through the plywood is causing the ash to vibrate and mound up. I kind of like that theory. Yeah, it's good. I <laughs> it's, like it too. It's very simple at its root. Yeah. I understand that. Well, and also clay behaves fairly similarly to ash once it's wet. Well, I think the clay represents, in this case, the plywood and then all, oh. all the loose stuff Joe's on top right. is the ash. Oh, yeah. then never mind. I don't like it okay. anymore. So basically... <laughs> no, no, clay is very much like plywood. The theory is the dirt oh. of the Mima Mound or the Mima Plain is like the ash... The the clay and the bedrock are like the board, mm. and every time there's seismic activity and those seismic waves are rattling around underneath that crust and they're hitting fractures and, and whatever the case may be down there, they're making that vibration, which is causing that soil to, for lack of a better term, kind of clump up and boil up. Yeah. My problem with this is if that were the normal case, again, why don't we see that in other areas? And there is a practical example that I want to point to, which causes me some concern because he's saying that there is some serious seismic activity that is going through the area not low grade but it seems it needs to be a relatively big bunch of seismic activity i would think so in order to do this kind of thing yeah it's moving a lot of pounds of dirt 
The example that I'm going to point to is a location in California, which is another place that mounds like this are found. Okay. In the 50s, we'd kind of talked about this in some other, possibly in some other places, but in the 50s, those mounds were plowed under for farmland. Okay. Plowed them down in the 80s, that farmland was abandoned for farming. Mm. And lo and behold, mounds began to arise again on their own. Okay. Uh, huh? Yep. So, uh, the mounds have started to come back in that area. That truly leaves me with more questions than answers. Well, yeah, because it's only been like, what, 35 years, 30 yep. years? So yeah. it couldn't yeah. have been any. We've had, what, two major, and I used air quotes here, major, major earthquakes in the that region of California, kind of that Bay Area, Northern California yeah. area. There hasn't been, it's not like the place has been rocking and rolling for a long time. There's been a couple of them. There's been a couple of decent sized ones. But, but that's there, it. But, uh, yeah. but this theory seems to say that there, that infer that it's got to be kind of a big thing to shake that much soil around long term for it to clump up that much and yet it's still happening i just that 30 years later. literally discounts every theory that we've had so far <laughs> the fact yeah, that they reform like that there's no moles there's no i and there's no termites and no there's termites. clearly not glaciers egg cartoning the things nope uh, nope no no, no glaciers uh yeah yeah, I think kinda, I, I kinda, think that, you for a loop there, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think what it is is the soil is is forming around and reflecting like massive structures built underneath and buried by aliens. Yeah. Okay, Joe, stop. <gasps> We're yeah. moving on. Yeah. Uh, before you start making up something that confuses our listeners because it's all made up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go to the next theory, which is actually real, which I think is. A very solid one as well is the shrinking and swelling of the clay layer of soil. If you guys remember earlier in the beginning, we talked about how the B and the C layers of horizons mm -hmm. have clay in them. And the density of clay can vary, so it's a low density or a high density. So some layers are very, very thick with clay and some are not. That might be the simplest answer of what's responsible, and here's why. Clay, though it doesn't seem to absorb water, does. Have either of you had to dig in dirt that was full of clay? Yeah, it's the oh, worst. Oh, yes. oh yeah, my, my yard is full of it, and I did I hate digging in it in the wintertime because it's just a sticky, mat, nasty mess. But actually, that's a lot better than digging in it in the summertime. It is. When it's hard <laughs> as a freaking rock. Yeah. It is better. <laughs> yeah. It turns out, I, I, I never realized this until I started doing the research, is that, yeah, clay does absorb water, and it absorbs it at varying ratios because depending on the mineral count and the density of the clay, it can absorb more or less. In other words, think of it this way. There's pockets in between in the clay. So if it's really dense, there's not a lot of pockets of areas that water can get into. But if it's a low density, there's a lot of areas that that water can infiltrate. And those thinner areas will swell as the water gets in. So what that means is that as it swells, it's got, it can't push down into the bedrock. So it's going to push up. 
and it's going to push everything above it upwards. Mm -hmm. Well, the areas in between the mounds are very thin. They're very dense. They can't absorb a lot of water, so they don't really expand. Although then the clay drays that dries out and it goes flat again. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I have seen some research and the validity of this, I cannot stand behind, but I will put out is that as things expand from water and then that water drains out and evaporates, they will collapse, but they will not compact their original volume. They will stay larger. Think about it. You, you stick a sheet of water or a sheet of paper in water mm -hmm. and it gets all wet and then you dry it out and then it's all puffy and rough yeah. and it's a little thicker. Not much, but it's a little thicker. It's fair. Mm -hmm. Now think about a two foot thick layer of dirt that, that fills with water and puffs up. Mm -hmm. It's going to shrink back down a little bit. But it's not going to go all the way down to what it was originally. That's fair. Yeah. And it would help explain why mounds were reforming. I think the key is for us to get some shovels and go up to, um, well, no, maybe. But <laughs> no. there, there, should be a, there should be a big pocket. Then, of, like even in, even in the dry times, there should be a big hollow pocket underneath these things. So let's go mm. punch through some of those mounds and see what's underneath there. Let's not do that. Joe is always wanting a field trip that requires everybody else to do manual labor while Absolutely. he sits in his director's chair with the umbrella over him and a Mai Tai in his hand saying, Dig there! Yeah. This is not happening. No. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's we've go. done that too many times already. <laughs> yeah. No. I know. Sorry, Forest Park. Uh, <laughs> our final theory is... Are you ready, Devin? What? Aliens. Yeah. yeah. Not really. Yeah, oh. makes sense. Why not? Uh, aliens, when you read about the Mima Mounds, are all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, they were done for aliens. They were done for aliens. I really am afraid that the alien connection here was made up sarcastically by a bunch of witty writers to be able to immediately discount it. Because every time you see something about aliens, it says... But there's no evidence, and why? There really is. There's nothing no, that no, no, says no. why aliens would do it. The, because aliens... No corresponding information. It's it well, is just three sentences, and then they move on to the rest of their story. Now, it's, it's very well documented that aliens, aliens uh, historically come to the Earth. They do random stuff, and then they leave again. I mean, the, so the bottom is, of their ships are formed like egg crates, and that's their landing pads. Uh, it could be that, or it could, it could be that actually these these things are are kind of like Morse code dots in the sur in the surface of the planet. And when we get and it says eat here. No, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it says hi. We are aliens. Just wanted to stop by and say hello. You know? <laughs> and when we eventually manage to decode the message, and I'm sure the NSA is on it. Mm. You know, then that will be the first message from another race. I, just, I mean, I think mm. more times than not, we try to assign a meaning that we, as lowly humans, could possibly understand to alien activity, right? If we're assuming that aliens exist, which we are, of course, because they mm. do. But there's no way that our puny little tiny not being able to go out into space and travel through all of that could possibly comprehend what they may or may not have been doing. So they might have had very good reasons for doing we it. We just don't know what it is. Yeah, True. exactly. So, yeah. Um, all right. So there's another theory that's much overlooked. Oh, but, boy. Yeah. 
Let's have it. In this particular area, southeast of Tacoma, the dominant tribe in the area before uh, the white man showed up was the, P- the Puyallup Indians. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Indians were noted for not having internet or cable or anything. <laughs> that was and, their main quality. Yeah. They had a lot of time on their hands. And so they spent their time just building mounds because it's kind of like the Incas spent their time shaping stone and building these incredible stone structures. They made these really cool sort of moundy areas. I don't think that's true. I yeah. yeah, no. The fact that we see mounds re-rising in other areas, I I can't agree with that. The the, yeah. the other hard part about this is okay. Again, we've only focused in this episode on the Mima mounds. There are mounds in the south of the United States, in the Californias, they're in Europe, they're in Africa. I mean, this this geologic structure happens for multiple regions in multiple areas. So to just say, well, this particular one is because of People were born. I'm, People, I'm not yeah. going to buy into Joe. No, no, actually. I'm just going to tell you right now. No, no, actually, I think that uh, even though this series has been put forward by many prominent scientists, I don't take it too seriously myself. Uh, was I, that prominent scientist your cat? <laughs> no, somebody liked my cat. Okay. Anyway, uh, I just want to throw, throw that in for fun. Obviously, there's there's an interesting process, which perhaps someday our grandchildren will, will understand here. But uh, Possibly. Yeah, we don't quite get it yet. Well, that's that's the theories that we've got. Obviously, none of them fit or are perfect, though some of us subscribe to others more than some. Mm-hmm. That that made sense, I swear. It did. Uh, <laughs> if you want to take a look at some of the research that we've done on this particular episode, you can find that on our website. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Of course, we have the episodes there to stream, but chances are you're listening to and downloading us somewhere else. There are a bazillion streaming sources out there, and we are on pretty much all of them. So you can find us there. If you use iTunes, which I know a good portion of people do, please, when you're there, take it the time to, to subscribe and then leave the comment and the rating. Because, of course, that helps other folks find us, which is great because other people will need to find us. That's what we want. Uh, we are on Facebook. So we have the group and the, uh, this, the Facebook page, which is ever-growing and tons and tons of fun conversations going on there. So anybody can join. Let us know. Uh, Joe's favorite f- phrase is, is it find us, friend us, like us? Um, no, I think it's, uh, yes, I think it is find us, friend us, like us. Yeah. Okay. That's close enough. But I think I put it a little more emphatically like find us, friend us, like us. Okay. Well, please emphatically saying I'm not going to say that. Uh, well, you can also find us on Twitter. We are on Twitter at thinking sideways. So drop the G off of thinking and you can follow us on there. We put some stuff out on Twitter. And of course, if you have thoughts or story suggestions, agreements, disagreements, love, hate, anything like that that you want to send us and you want us to read, you can send that to us at our email, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Don't uh, have anything else that I can think of to well, say here that they I did need wanna, to know? I did want to add this one thing, and that is that if you have a shovel and, you're, and you want to build a, no. a, a mime amount of your Stop own, it, Joe. we'll no. post instructions no. on our website. <laughs> 
We're, this this is not a uh, instructables website. We're not going to tell them how to build their own. Mima We're not mountain. stuff you should know. We're not, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. Who doesn't want a mime amount of their very own? Uh, I know someone, and I live with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she would not be happy if I built a six foot by a hundred and sixty foot mound in our backyard. You'd well, also have to have a bigger yard. Yeah, sure. there's that. But well, might, you know what? My might attract growth. Yeah, my neighbors yeah. don't want that. So. Yeah. And it, yeah, you might bring in gophers and termites, too. You never <laughs> See? know. Bad idea, Joe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and roll this one up, put it in the can, and call it done. And we'll talk to you next week. Ta-ta, everybody. Bye, guys. It was probably gophers, but not yeah, really. probably gophers. Yeah.